In parts of North Africa, new believers in Jesus can be rejected by their own families. Kate Jefferson explains what that means in North African culture. You don't eat. You may be literally living on the street eating out of trash cans if your family rejects you. If you had hopes of going on to college, that stops. Jobs that are paying to any level beyond the minimal are, are over because you have to have these connections, these family connections to put you in society. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton. We are in the studio today with Kay Jefferson. He is uh, the new regional leader for North and East Africa here at The Voice of the Martyrs. So uh, overseeing projects in the northern and the eastern part of the continent of Africa, just a, a huge area of responsibility. Kate, welcome to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. One of the things, uh, just a little bit of uh, kind of inside baseball for our listeners, uh, I have a, uh, a mandate here at VOM not to talk to our field leaders, people who are in and out of the same country a lot, because obviously we don't want to publicize them too much. We don't want them to become recognizable. Uh, but once someone reaches the the regional leader where they're in and out of different countries, uh, I'm allowed to talk to them. So so Cade has just made that jump a few weeks ago. Uh, we talked with Sean Patton, kind of I, I called it his exit interview as he was uh, stepping into a pastoral ministry role. Cade has stepped into Sean's shoes, so he is kind of filling that regional leadership role. Uh, so that gives you kind of a little bit of background. So, Cade, I'm really happy that we get to talk because I know you've served overseas, you have stories to tell, uh, but I've never been allowed to talk to you for the radio before, so I'm, I'm glad that we've reached that point. Talk a little bit about before you came to VOM, you served as a gospel worker. Um, how did God sort of draw you out of comfortable American life and say, I want you to cross the ocean. I want you to go to a place where people have never heard. So I came to faith in high school, and it was while in college that discipleship really started getting to a, a deeper level. And it was at that point, nothing spectacular, no dramatic situation, but I felt a pull to missions in, while in college. And we were part of a small rural church Loved it. It was a great, great church. And from there, we got sent out right after college and landed in Afghanistan. We spent several years in Afghanistan. That's an interesting place to start your mission career. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I feel like it's always been like on hyperdrive, intense all the time. Yeah, and Afghanistan was wild. I mean, it was right after the Taliban fell, and it was the Wild West. It was intense there. We spent several difficult years in Afghanistan. And once we left, we returned back to the States and visited that church, that local church that we were part of that sent us out. While we were gone, they had acquired an associate pastor that we didn't know. We saw the church. We met with him, had dinner at his house. And then from there, we moved out of state 
I started the advanced studies for a, at a seminary. With an idea of going back overseas? Yeah, or, yeah okay. with that intention. So I, yeah. I wondered if you came back from Afghanistan yeah. and thought, okay, we've we've served our time. We're done with missions. We're, we're. There, was, there was probably a solid 18 months of working through that of do we want to do this again? It was difficult 15, 16 years later. I'm still – I still have images of what I saw in Afghanistan that I guess emotions etched in my brain of intense things, kids – digging in piles of trash, finding syringes like they were finding treasure, but also spending time with the small group of local Christians. When it's difficult and it's when it's dark, you see God with a different clarity than you do otherwise. And I, I found that in all these different times, but I found that in Afghanistan, definitely. I well, sense that you left a part of your heart there. I did, yeah. <laughs> it's been 16, 17 years, but I'm still, it's still in my mind. I still think about it almost daily. Wow. We're talking today yeah. on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Cade Jefferson. He leads Voice of the Martyrs' work in North and East Africa. So, Cade, you come back to the States, you go away to seminary to study more, yeah. then, what, then what happened after that? We gathered up a handful of people and we returned back overseas, but this time to North Africa instead of Afghanistan. Spent a good deal of time there in North Africa. And yeah, just like that, I stepped into Afghanistan, I stepped into North Africa, and it was difficult. And saw some amazing things, but also I feel like after about a little over four years in North Africa, I felt like I crashed my emotional, mental, and physical plane. I was not respecting the finiteness of who I was as a creature. I was pushing myself too hard and too fast. This was years, several years back now, but I remember it was April. My wife and I were praying that we, we needed help. We needed God to step into our situation. And we prayed that for a month. In May, I got word that someone from VOM was visiting uh, North Africa and and asked to talk with the folks that were there. So I did not want to go. I was so tired, exhausted. Um, I went and I walked into this hotel in North Africa. The dude that was sitting there was the associate pastor that I had dinner in his house at 15 years prior. He said that they were looking for someone to help them with their North Africa work and asked if I knew of anybody. And I was like, I think I'm that guy. Um, yeah, walking out of there, it was like, yeah, this is God in a difficult time being merciful to us, connecting those. And that's Sean. That was Sean Patton, right. <laughs> who I was fortunate to work with for the last Three years, three, four years. Amazing how God, and we talk about this here at VOM, at, at the right time, God brings the right people. Yeah. Um, sometimes we stress about it, but but we know, and as we look backwards, we always see, yep, yep, God brought the right people at the right time. Mm. I'm curious to know culturally, obviously Afghanistan, a Muslim country, North Africa, a Muslim place, were the cultures similar or were they very different? How, what was the adjustment from Afghanistan to North Africa like? Afghanistan, for it being the Wild West and things exploding, <laughs> um, the difficulties of all that, the people in Afghanistan I found to be some of the warmest, most hospitable people that I've ever met in my life. When I landed in North Africa, I was expecting the same some of the countries in North Africa were still going through a lot of turmoil and they had turned kind of inward. And so instead of welcoming the foreigner, they were much more antagonistic to the foreigner. They just got their independence from France. 
though I mean 30 years, but still, it was right. still fresh a, for a them. Generation. As opposed to Afghanistan, which I guess had been fighting nonstop for the last. They were they were used to they knew how to handle the foreigners, and they've been fighting for the last hundreds hundred years. So yeah, it was very different culturally. It was a, two very different places. Was that a shock for you? I mean, was that yeah, hard for it you? Was, like, it was surprising. Like we've mm-hmm. lived in a Muslim country, so we know what we're getting ourselves yeah, into. Yeah. But then wait a minute. Mm-hmm. It's not what we expected. I feel like that was part of our crashing the plane, that burnout aspect of it. In hindsight, it felt more like the rubber bands on the the watermelon, where each rubber band was not a big deal. And so, yes, running a business in North Africa is difficult. That was a rubber band or um, the isolation, not a lot of foreigners there, another rubber band, not being welcomed by the culture. That was another rubber band. But pretty soon you get enough of those rubber bands on it in the watermelon bus. <laughs> and that was what it was for us. It was a lot of just a very two very different places. I feel like the intensity in Afghanistan against Christians is another level. However, I've been reflecting on um, this fellow that I met. It's been less than a year ago, Nathan um, in North Africa. I feel like his story kind of pictures what North Africa is like. He was a teenager through satellite television, he heard the gospel. Now, this is a very common thing. It's really amazing, super important. He came to faith as a teenager, and when his family found out, his dad went unhinged and started beating him, locked him away in his in Nathan's bedroom. And I think Nathan's mom figured out that the dad was going to kill him. And so she helped him escape, got him out, like literally through the window. And Nathan... I mean, he's just a teenager. I have a teenage boy. He started living on the street, eating out trash cans. This went on for weeks. And pretty soon, he found himself in a refrigerator box living out on the beach, which is not nice. Super cold. Some other homeless people living out there. While out there, um, it was like several nights in, he heard somebody shout his name. Shouted out Nathan out on the beach middle of the night, heard it again. Hey, is there a Nathan here? Nathan got up and was like, yeah, I'm, I'm here. The fellow um, directed him to his car. Nathan was like, well, I guess I'll go get in this car. Found out that it was a British missionary that had some rough Arabic, was still learning Arabic, and had gotten a word from God that he needed to go out to the beach and pick up Nathan. The British missionary had no idea what was going on with this. But obeyed, went out there, scared, nervous, picked up someone named Nathan at the beach, <laughs> took him home, and started taking care of him. Um, Nathan slept on the guy's couch for weeks. Wow. Um, the guy started discipling him, taking care of him. Nathan now goes out to isolated villages in North Africa to help Christians that are out by themselves. We all have those, but it's just so striking to see those, and they happen. They happen at dark times in your life. Nathan was on the edge, out on the beach. I mean, he was holding his faith. He didn't recount right. and go back home, but I'm sure he was. There was the God, why have you forsaken me feeling? And when it got really dark, God showed up and, and took care of him. Is there a Nathan here? Is there a Nathan here? <laughs> it's so amazing. <laughs> We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Cade Jefferson. He leads our work in North and East Africa. Cade, obviously you're stepping into this role, so you're relatively new. But as I look across your area, 
uh, I think about so much persecution. Mm. How intimidated were you to, to take on this job? I'm stepping into something that's built up. And so we have folks in all those countries, working in all those countries in East Africa that are doing an amazing job. In North Africa, likewise, great, great folks doing great work. I mean, people that have been doing this this job for 14, 15 years. And so it's overwhelming, but I'm not alone in that. Yeah. yeah. Talk a little bit about our, our local partners in some of these places. And sometimes mm-hmm. they're foreign gospel workers who live there. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're local people. I, I think it's easy for our listeners to picture Voice of the Martyrs as the guy that gets on the plane in Bartlesville and mm-hmm. flies across mm-hmm. and he's there to, to help the people and deliver the aid. All of this happens because there are those people on the yeah. ground who live there and work there and know the church. They know the the people in the church. They hear the stories of, oh, hey, this village just got attacked. Mm-hmm. Hey, this pastor was just beaten up. Oh, this pastor was killed. His widow is here and her five children. Talk a little bit about how that actually mm-hmm. works on the ground to go and help that widow, to go and yeah. help the the people in that village that's just been attacked. Yeah. I feel like that's an aspect of it that's incredibly essential to who we are. Yes, we are helping with physical needs. People are kicked out of their homes. Houses are burned down. But we're, we're doing this person to person. Um, we're sitting down with people. And I live in the States. I, I can only – I have a family here. I can only do this six, seven times a year. Can I go and be there? And oftentimes there's a language barrier too. I mean, I speak French. I speak a, enough Arabic for people to think that I speak Arabic. But it's it's the guys on the ground, these national guys that are able to go and sit down with the widow or the person that fled Sudan and is now in Cairo and doesn't know what's going on. I can see them from time to time, but our folks on the ground are the folks that go and sit down with them and truly feel it. They're crying with the, they're weeping with those that are weeping. They are walking through spiritually with these people in levels that us here in Bartlesville can only touch, but not experience in the same way. They're integral. The guys on the ground are integral to what we're doing. And it keeps us doing what we're supposed to be doing, really ministering to these people, ministering to our, our brothers and sisters that are, are hurting. How do we pray and how do our listeners pray and how do you pray for those people that are on the mm-hmm. ground? And, you know, obviously they're dealing with trauma. They're dealing with hardship and hurt and loss 365 days a year. They're getting WhatsApp messages 365 days a year. How do we pray for them? Some of the things that I pray for um, for these guys, an important one is stamina, that they're able to keep a pace that is reasonable. The needs are overwhelming. It's intense and it's constant, like you just said. And so to be able to keep a pace that's healthy for them to realize that they are a – and to keep it in check as them being conduit of God, not of of them being God to these people. God's going to be merciful and God's going to take care of people whether they're there or not. But they're the way that God's going to do it. The needs are overwhelming. Yeah. But for them not to feel like they have to take care of it all, that, that they're relying on God as well. And that um, their own personal spiritual health is good. Because of this, when you see these things and they're constant, you can you can drain 
yourself out. And so when you're going through secondary trauma, seeing these things, that um, they can be healthy spiritually and emotionally, that they have people around them that are, are healthy and spiritual, both spiritually and emotionally that can take care of them. We want our people on the ground to be flourishing and to do well with what's in front of them um, and not to run into the ground and not to burn out over this, but be able to do this long term. And we have people doing it long term. Yeah. I mean, we have people doing it for 15. We have a fellow in, um, in East Africa that's, I mean, I think he's pushing 20 years now with us. It's amazing. It is um, amazing. They just keep going. We're very, very fortunate to have folks like that. Yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Cade Jefferson. He leads our work in North and East Africa. Cade, obviously you served in Afghanistan. You've served in North Africa. What are some of the things that that you've taken from our brothers and sisters in those places and said, I I want that to be a part of my faith walk too? What are some of the lessons you've learned or, or some of the qualities you've seen that you're like, okay, I, I want to develop that same quality. The way that they're able to maintain compassion nonstop. They're faced with people burning down their houses. They're faced with women being hurt and people being put out on the street, family members turning against them. But they don't turn to hate. They don't see these people themselves as their enemy. And I, that's the that's the easy way is to say, I, I don't like Muslims. I'm going to fight against these people. They're not doing that. They're reaching out to them over and over and over again. They're constantly praying for these people that have hurt them, and they're not leaving. They're not saying that we're just going to push away from all of you people. They're not doing that. They're going back. They're wanting to get Bibles into their countries that you can't get Bibles into because they want to share the the scriptures with people that don't know them. I feel like that aspect is oftentimes just dumbfounding to me because it's the opposite of how I would by default operate. And they constantly just push forward, constantly in love and in compassion for the people around them, even though the people around them are some of the people that are hurting them. You mentioned that you have kids, and so you come home from a trip. You've met some of these amazing saints. You've heard stories of, of their faithfulness, but you've also heard stories of their suffering and, and the price that they're paying for that. How do you communicate that to your kids, or, or what are you trying to sort of pass along to the next generation from, from these examples, these really saints that we yeah. get to serve? I feel like that is a tradition that we have in the church that we've had for a long time of taking these uh, the examples of the martyrs and the saints that have been persecuted and retelling those. I have younger kids. I have a teenager and a preteen. So the stories have to be filtered. They have to be, be cleaned up before I can talk about them. But we do. We talk about these stories at the dinner table and hearing these stories of people that are putting their neck on the line that are really going out there and doing things that like i've talked to partners a fellow in north africa that is trying to get bibles into diff- very difficult places and i've asked him i've said we call him mark i was like mark are you sure you want to be doing this because this is dangerous this is very <laughs> dangerous and it's going to come back on you and he's like yeah i want to do it at times, I'm like, I, 
I almost want to talk him out of it. But he he pushes forward. And so to tell those stories at the table with my kids of what Mark is doing in North Africa or what's happening in Kenya is encouraging. It's encouraging because it keeps us from being myopic and to think about just the little things that are causing our, our mild annoyances here. But be like, yeah, we're part of a bigger story. We may not be experiencing the the same difficulties and persecutions that our brothers and sisters are experiencing elsewhere, but it's our family. It's it's like telling the stories of what your grandfather did to your kids. It's us. This is our people, and it's encouraging. It is encouraging. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Kay Jefferson. He leads our work in North and East Africa. We talked a little bit about praying for our partners on the ground. Let's talk a little more broadly about the Christians. And obviously, you know well the situation for Christians in North Africa. How do we pray for brothers and sisters like like Nathan, who's kicked out of his own family? Um, how do we pray for Christians who are going through that right now in, in North Africa? And like we've said, like I said earlier, with stamina, stamina is important. And it can be thought of in continued faithfulness, continued trust in God and that he's going to take care of them. There's a, um, a psalm that says that God is close to the brokenhearted, praying that God fulfills that promise to them, that they're going through difficult times, they're brokenhearted, their families have, have rejected them. I don't think most of us understand the family bond, mm-hmm. the family connection yeah. in that part of the world. Like your family group is is your whole society. It's your opportunity for education. It's your opportunity for a job. It's everything. Mm -hmm. So when they reject you, it's not just a matter of, well, my family doesn't want to talk to me anymore. It's like all those opportunities are now cut Mm -hmm. off from you. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's not simply that Thanksgiving is awkward. It's a whole nother level. You don't eat. You may be literally living on the street eating out of trash cans if your family rejects you. If you had hopes of going on to college, that stops. Jobs that are paying to any level beyond the minimal are, are over because you have to have these connections, these family connections to, to put you in society. It's not simply relationship and family. It's, it's the whole society structure is built around these families. And if you don't have your father's approval and your brother's backing, you're not, you're not going anywhere but down. So when you talk about them being brokenhearted, I think that helps us under yeah, yeah they are brokenhearted. Yeah. They, they have no future mm-hmm. in that culture, in that society. So yeah. that helps us kind of understand where that brokenheartedness comes from. Yeah, so to be praying for them in that, that God is is close to them in those times. I feel like so often reading over the Beatitudes, praying for praying the Beatitudes with our brothers and sisters that are going through this in mind because that's what they're in. They are the ninth beatitude. They are being persecuted, but they're also poor in spirit. They are the weak. They're, they're, they're the ones that are the least in, that, in these societies. So to, to have those, those things in mind, to have this compassion for them and to pray with emotion of God, be close to these people, be, be close to Nathan, be merciful to Mark as he's going through these times. They're facing the hours of trial over and over again and for them to be strong in that and to have have confidence that God is taking care of them. We've been talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Kay Jefferson. He leads our work in North and East Africa. 
Cade, welcome to this new role at Voice of the Martyrs. Thank you for your willingness to serve, and thanks for being our guest this week on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you. It's an honor. Thank you for listening this week to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. If you haven't already done so, I want to encourage you to subscribe to the free Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Just come to vomradio.net. Click on the link at the top of the page that says free magazine. We would love to send that to you each month with the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters. Also, I'd appreciate it if you would take a few moments to rate and review this podcast, wherever it is that you're listening. That's a great way to help us reach new listeners with the stories of our persecuted brothers and sisters. You can also help us reach new listeners by sharing this episode with a Christian friend and with your pastor. Maybe you just want to text a link to them right now. You can also give financially to support VOM's work helping persecuted Christians, providing Bibles, and supporting frontline ministry. Simply click on the Donate tab at the top of vomradio.net, or you can go directly vomradio.net slash donate. Thank you for taking the time to listen this week. I hope you'll join our conversation again next week. We're going to meet a believer in Jesus from a Druze background in the Middle East. Now, you may have never heard of the Druze people before. We're going to find out about them next week. You'll also hear the price that our brother has paid for leaving behind the Druze religion and following Jesus Christ and how he's reaching out to share Jesus with his own people. You will find a blessing in that conversation. So please be back with us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs podcast network.